Light! Light this candle. Camera. Action. Moron. I've got morons on my team. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! We're in the pipe. Five by five. We'll help! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe! And so it begins. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind. Welcome back, folks, to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. I'm your host, Jeff Muncy, and tonight we are reviewing that great and fantastic movie, Eight Men Out. This is a 1988 sports drama film based on Elliot Asinov's 1963 book, Eight Men Out, the Black Sox and the 1919 World Series. It was written and directed by John Sayles. The film is a dramatization of Major League Baseball's Black Sox scandal in which eight members of the Chicago White Sox conspired with gamblers to intentionally lose the 1919 World Series. Joining me tonight for this great and fantastic film is my good and dear friend, Brian. Say it. (laughs) I may be dumb, fellas, but I'm not stupid. Miller. You know, to quote Ray Shock, Jeff, Go piss up a rope. <laughs> I, I've been trying to figure out exactly how to do that. Thank you, Brian. All right. Also joining me tonight is my other good and dear friend. Long stay. Ken. I, shoeless Ken Roney. Well... Well, for one thing, I'm actually wearing slippers right now. So, yeah, I don't have shoes on, but I have slippers. But, no, I, I when I was coming here tonight, I, I came prepared to give a championship performance on this tonight. But some jamoke told me that you and Brian were planning to throw this podcast. <laughs> Say it ain't so, Jeff. Say it ain't so. <laughs> well done, Ken. Well done. You know, if Jeff would pay us if he, you know, if he, if he'd follow his contract, we wouldn't throw this thing. That's, That's all it. I got to say. You know? It's, it's going to be sabotage tonight, based on the fact that uh, I'm not paying you well enough. Yeah, you, you, know, you promised just, me 29 podcasts, I get I 10 grand, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay, guys. Well, thank you. Yes. So as um, as we have been mentioning, um. This is about the uh, 1919 World Series where the Chicago White Sox were playing against the uh, Cincinnati Redlegs. I'm sure a baseball fan out there will be able to tell us when they were, uh, when their nickname or uh, was, was shortened to, uh, to the Reds instead of the Redlegs. But um, uh, best of nine series, and um, the gist of it is the. Um, there, there were two groups of um, uh, two, two different groups of baseball players on the White Sox team. One that was a little more lively and colorful, and another group that was a little more straight-laced and uh, honest. 
Let's just say it that way. Seeing an opportunity, some gamblers thought they might be able to um, go and in see see about the likelihood of uh, maybe some of those uh, less than honest folk. Uh, see if they would be interested in uh, throwing the series so a lot of people can make money. Uh, the idea was they were going to, the baseball players uh, were being, uh, the, the White Sox were being run by uh, Charles Comiskey, who was notorious for not paying his players and paying them uh, their wages or uh, not giving them the bonuses that, uh, that, they, that they were promised. Due to that, there was an opportunity with which some of these gamblers thought, well, this might be a possibility. So uh, there, were, there were a few people that approached and from there, um, the, the snowball starts rolling. And um, next thing you know, there's a deal made. And some people are on the team are part of it. And some aren't. Some know of it. Others don't. Others speculate that this may be something happening. Because this is something so good, you can't keep it under wraps. And so things start getting out that maybe this series is not what it appears to be. Real quick, this movie... Uh, again, directed by John Sayles, stars John Cusack, Clifton James, Michael Lerner, Christopher Lloyd, Charlie Sheen, David Strathorn. Strayhorn. Uh, Strayhorn. I'll never get that right. Call me Steve. Uh, D.B. Sweeney and a um, and a host of others. Michael Rooker and um, Don Harvey. John Cusack's just dad, keep going. Dick Cusack. Was uh, was in here. He played uh, Judge Hugo Friend. John Sales also was in here. Brian's going to bring us up to speed on that later. Kind of an all-star supporting actor list. If you look at these guys in here, there's not too many A-list actors. Maybe John Cusack a little bit. Maybe definitely Christopher Lloyd, um, Charlie Sheen. But there's a host of basically great supporting actors that make up this ensemble cast um so with that there's the basis for the movie so i'm going to throw it over to uh to ken ken what uh, what say you about uh, about your viewing well uh, i was kind of pleased when you proposed this because you know, this is kind of rare when we're doing these podcasts generally these are movies i i've already seen and have an opinion of and this one i i never saw it uh Somehow it came out, and uh, you know I never saw it back when it first came to the movies. I don't remember it being on cable. I suspect if it was on, I would have seen it, but I never did. So uh, I came to this, you know, with open mind and open opinion. I thought it was well done for a sports movie. It's it's got a real kind of just documentary feel to it. I mean, it lays out, you know, introduces you to all the various players, the different groups of people, uh, like you sort of alluded to in your introduction. I mean, you've got the gamblers, the people trying to fix up. You got the team, which is a good sized team, lots of, lots of interesting characters on there. Uh, You've got the sports writers and people following it. You got the fans, especially little kids floating around us you know little kids and movies tend to annoy me but in this movie it fit uh but it does do a very good job of laying out you know the evolution of how did this scheme develop how did it come out uh it shows it wasn't a clear-cut thing it wasn't like the whole team was in on the fix i mean i i did like that you know 
you know, they're, they, the fix is in, and then it's like, well, the wrong couple guys get up to bat or up to the mound, and all of a sudden the whole game turns around and they're winning. Um, so it was an interesting story to me to see how this went. Uh, this does have a big cast, and it's a cast where a lot of the actors are fairly young. They were, you know, maybe not who they later turned out to be. Like, again, like John Cusack probably gets top lead today. I actually went to IMA movie night a couple weeks ago. We, we saw Say Anything, which came out about a year after that, which I think was his big breakthrough role. Uh, you know, that's a teen romance kind of movie. It's a, it's a fun movie, actually. I, I like that movie. It is a good movie. I mean, Say Anything is a good movie, uh, but it is well, – it's a weird movie. It, I mean, it, for what yeah, for the time and the place and the themes and it's like that, that wacky – that movie was – you know, the thing about it is it's that wacky thing of where like the boy meets girl and the girl meets boy and they're scheming and, you know, they're, get, they're getting involved and then the girl's father goes away for tax fraud. I mean, it's like, oh, that's a wacky movie for you. They have little um, cartoons in that movie, I think, too, right? Between scenes or something like that. Little like, cartoons. He drew a sketch or something like that. Or I, It's yeah. been a while, but I like really, it. But no, it anyways, Are you John Cusack with... has gone on the great thing. I, I thought John Cusack was great in like, Gross Point Blank. I mean, that's a movie we might want to review some night. Aside from the fact he's nuts, but yeah. I like John Cusack. FM. He did a good job in FM. Uh, yeah, David Strathairn. He's um, Danny Glover crazy, though. Calm down. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, calm down. I mean, David Strathairn is a is a serious actor. He's done a lot of really good work, and I've enjoyed him recently. Uh, He's been appearing in you know my favorite sci-fi TV series, The Expanse. Uh, Plays a pretty heavy-duty character in that right now. Uh, Michael Rooker plays a heavy role i mean i can just keep going through the actors they're they're all good but again this is 88 i mean a long time ago i think that overall this movie was pretty well done another thing about this movie which i remember vaguely was it was filmed here i mean listeners if you don't already know i mean we've dropped clues before but uh we're all living in indianapolis this movie was filmed in indianapolis in the old bush stadium which was a you know early 20th century stadium uh they had all the stars floating around town it was a big deal way back then i just thought it was very it it, it may it seemed true to the era this is set again 1919 they're using ragtime and other period music to like set the stage if you know what that is it does take you back to that period the people the scenes the clothes the props the sets all seemed appropriate but in the end, you know, about half the scenes are sitting around a ballpark somewhere doing something. That's what sports movies are about. So that's sort of my initial uh, take on the movie. What about what? I'll pass it off. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that uh, the principal scenes for the um, actual baseball game were, were shot here in at Bush Stadium, which was down off of 16th Street. And it is now, um, after many years, condos or apartments or something, um, which were built to overlook the baseball field. And uh, I, I think that the field itself is used for, you know, the residents themselves. Um, <clears throat> but, of course, that came, that was born out of uh, government <coughs> coll- 
uh, how shall I say this, conspiracy, to um, move the uh, baseball team um, from this location, which was not exactly downtown, it was uh, kind of west downtown, to a more downtown location where they could build a nice, nearly better than several Major League Baseball stadiums in the country. Um, this the state of the art uh, baseball. It's very nice. It is We've very got nice. a very it's good gorgeous. ballpark. It has a it's very nice. I, I need to go down and take in a game if it ever stops raining. It has a great view of the IPL power plant downtown. <clears throat> but um, but they did this on the uh, under the guise that well the Bush Stadium is a it's a it's a death trap. It's dangerous. It's dilapidated, and we have to for the safety of all that are involved move to a new location. So they did built this beautiful stadium. And then proceeded to use Bush Stadium for another decade, even though it was ruled a death, death trap, trap. And, and, uh, and dangerous for all. You know, they had uh, they had small uh, a small racetrack there for some time, and then yeah, um, that's right. They then you know continued like I said, continued to use it for a decade, allowing people to sit in the death trap. The whole um, thing was nothing but concrete block and steel. I mean, it, there wasn't much yeah, that could go wrong with it. it. But nonetheless, no, it was it was. You don't know much about urban development. I, so. I, I know about government trying to get whatever they want to by feeding off the fears and whatever of the populace. I, anyway, okay, sorry, rant over. Uh, Indy, your rabble Indy, rousing Indy, back to the movie. Lord. Indy 500 champ Takuma Sato, I believe, owns a condo there these days. Well, they can't be cheap then. All right. There you go. All right, but anyway, uh, thanks, Ken. Brian, what uh, what say you about this movie? Well, uh, for me, this is not uh, – what I had not seen this movie. I, I like sports movies, as you know, but this was not – Traditional sports movie. This is more about a sports. Uh, what's what? It's a drama, I guess. I mean, any movie, I suppose, is a drama. But this is not a traditional sports movie. In fact, it's where sports goes wrong. You know. Uh, so I've not seen it before. Uh, good movie. Great cast. Uh, the cast at the time. You know, I, I know you mentioned that Cusack. I think was technically the lead in this movie, but uh, you know, I mean, honestly, she was only two years out of platoon. So he was a pretty hot commodity at that time. And then some of these other guys, if there was interesting, you know, John Sales wrote this. By the way, John Sales wrote Battle Beyond the Stars with the great Sybil Danning. So, you know, he's he is a mensch as far as I'm concerned, just for writing a movie that has Sybil Danning in it. But uh, uh, Sales was a classmate. He's a, little, he's a little younger or older, I'm trying to remember, but of, of Gordon Clapp, who played catcher Ray Shawk, who people would know from uh, – Oh, gosh, uh, not Hill Street Blues, but NYPD Blue. And then David, David Strayhorn, uh, they all went to, I believe it was Williams College. And I think Strayhorn's son, by the way, was in the movie. And he may have been the one that said, say it ain't so, Joe. I'm not sure. But I think Stray, but, but I, I don't really know if there's a connection between these two. And that's why they were picked as the cast, but I'm assuming that's the case. Uh, that's the why. Uh, but uh, it, and Sales also played. I believe, as as you referenced earlier, a guy named Ring Lardner, who was a sports writer at the time. Uh, I looked at pictures of Lardner. He looks like Ring Lardner uh, in this thing. It's amazing. And Lardner was a very literate sports writer. Apparently, he, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Hemingway and other people were big fans of his stuff. In fact, he was born just across state line in Niles, Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. But, but uh, I thought Sales did a hell of an acting job in this movie as Lardner frankly, uh, despite the fact it's packed full of actors. Uh, I will get into some of the other actors because there's Clifton James and John Anderson are two interesting guys in this 
movie that don't get talked about much. But as a film goes, it's a good film. It's not my normal cup of tea uh, when it comes to sports movies, frankly. But it's a good, 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 good movie. So there we go. Well, thanks, Brian. Kind of letting it dangle out there. Let's let's get into um, some of these actors that that really <clears throat> embody the the characters with which um, they play. So I, I kind of want to do it this way. So you have you have two sides. You have one side, which is the the, the men that are approached or that uh, agree take part in this fixing. Um, you have uh, uh, and, and I'm gonna. These are the eight men that were. The sh- as Ken pointed out, the show is sort of a documentary. It it goes through all the the important details about the events from the time that the gangsters and bookies approach them, and and present this opportunity to the end where you have the first commissioner of baseball is who had an outstanding name. Um, his <laughs> birth name was Kennesaw Mountain Landis, uh, played by John Anderson, um, who was the, who was appointed by the owners to kind of come in and investigate this and, 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 and look into the, to save the face of baseball. Um, what's interesting, Brian, I think you pointed out that John Anderson looks a lot like Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis. And, yep, he's um, six foot six, big guy. Yeah, and apparently big guy. played him in a, a couple of different times um, as, as, as the judge. But um, he, he comes in, and the, the, the eight men that, that are involved in this are Chuck Gandel, who is, a, is the first person that's approached, and uh, because he was, he was a shady character. Um, and played, of course, by Rooker, I'm assuming, right? Played, is that Rooker's character? Um, of course, by um, I believe Michael Rooker. Um, yeah. Then um, you have you have um, Hap Felch, which is played Charlie Sheen, is involved, maybe involved, um, not not necessarily full fully in on this, um, but yet one of the eight. Men. Um, you had uh, Claude Williams. Well, he was so dumb, he didn't know if he was in or out, I think, well, half the time. That was Joe Jackson. He is the character. Joe oh, that Jackson. is right. That's right. Joe but, Jackson but, was but, but, uh, but, considered very illiterate and maybe a, a, a phenomenal baseball player, still holds um, some some records or still up high in, 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 in accordance with modern-day baseball. Um, well, still has, well, Jackson was ignorant, but... What's his name's character was stupid. I mean, they made that comment that no, he's just stupid in oh, terms Hapfelsch. of. Uh, uh... Yeah. <laughs> so we and that's um, Hap Felsch is played by um, Charlie Sheen. Um, Joe Jackson is played by DB Sweeney. Uh, Buck Weaver, who is played by John Cusack, is uh, as the movie unfolds, you find out that you know he he was not part of this. He didn't want to be part of it. Wanted to have a separate trial to exonerate himself. Once you know, there's a grand jury indictment um uh swede reisberg and fred mcmillan or mcmullen key to the whole operation was uh, eddie seacott who was the pitcher and he signaled the fact that this was uh, if it was if it was a go then uh, a batter would be hit uh with a pitch and in, in, the, in the first couple of uh, uh, throws at the plate and uh, to signal that uh, the fix was in, <clears throat> at least by some of these characters. The eight men all had different levels and degrees of simplicity in this. Uh, some were fully in, some were partially in, some asked to be in, some knew about it, and that was the whole reason that they eight were 
um, banned from baseball, which uh, we find out later in the show. Um, through a trial, they were all acquitted. But Judge uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis said, you know what, we, we can't have this on baseball. If we don't allow them to, if we allow them to stay in, this is really going to um, be be a problem for baseball and the, the owners did not want that you have these these players represented by john cusack uh, um, who who i think everybody knows who john cusack is and brian i think earlier in the in the podcast you were mentioning um that cartoon characters that he was drawing i think you might have been thinking about better off dead yes and i like that movie that's i love movie that I like. movie absolutely love that that's movie. the movie i like and uh, and i referenced that movie in our post which i, I should have titled impossible um, hint for the week regarding this podcast, but um, I'll get to that later. Uh, but John Cusack plays Buck Weaver. Don Harvey plays Swede Reisberg. Um, uh, Jason uh, Straithorn uh, plays Eddie Seacott. Charlie Sheen plays Hap Felsch. Michael Rooker plays uh, uh, Chick Gandel. And those were in, uh, those were the main people involved, at least as far as the movie goes, that were on the side of um, throwing this. Um, on the other side, um, you, you've got um, you, you've got all the other actors who aren't involved, don't know anything about it, confused by what's going on in the play. One of the guys you feel for is uh, John Mahoney, who um, who plays the manager, plays Kid Gleason, the manager, um, who who is you could see at times is struggling. Um, he's hearing rumors. He doesn't want to believe them. He trusts his boys, but, you know, you, you know, you hear one thing, you know, you dismiss it, you hear two, it's a bizarre coincidence, but three or more, and you're like, okay, there's something to it. D.B. Sweeney, of course, plays Shoeless Joe Jackson, um, and, you know, you can read about the history of him and the, the multitude of people that have been trying to clear his name um, even after his uh, death in, in, in the 1950s. But um, so Christopher Lloyd uh, plays a... Um, one of the gamblers who's trying to orchestrate this and um, Michael Lerner who is um, who is the uh, underworld king plays Arnold Rothstein who uh, kind of is the guy behind it orchestrating pulling the strings and getting this all to happen but let's just talk about those actors um, the ones on the the darker side those are the main stars in the movie so we know about John Cusack Don Harvey uh, you guys have seen him on some things haven't you I know him less well than I know James Reed, uh, who played Lefty Williams. He was the, the pitcher in the second game, married to actually Nancy Travis, played his wife. Um, now, Reed was big. Ken, you probably know this. He was famous because he was the big heartthrob. Well, I was talking about James Reed because Lefty James Williams Reed, yes. was a big part of the whole thing. And Ken would actually know this because I never watched this, but James Reed was in this series North South and like 85 and 86. Oh, yeah, which was with like, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, and it was kind of like a, I don't know, like a Harlequin romance version of the Civil War, and he was a he was a big heartthrob from that series. He was fresh off that, so he was a big name around well, that time. you know our friend Joe Spangler was an extra in that movie. I do not know that. Didn't I? I've never he, seen it. He was. He was in the Siege of Vicksburg scenes. But, but this would be like the Civil War is written by... Uh, I don't know. Name some big woman romance writer. From yeah, the it, time. it was a it was a pot boiler, Bodie's yeah. Ripper. Yeah, but it did really well. And it did. Reed, back, back Reed then, was, it was a heartthrob, and Swayze. That's when Swayze became a name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it was. It was. Uh, but 
but he was he was clearly that now that guy now Reed does soap operas. But uh, and then Nancy Travis with his wife, she's she she actually was. I like she was a hot end on a movie called Rose Red, which was a Stephen King movie. But that's another that's an aside. Uh, I like Sweeney as an actor. Uh, you don't see him in much now, but he was big uh, for a long time. But he's kind of disappeared from the TV and, and the movie screen. But but he was a guy that was that was enjoyable to watch. Uh, obviously, you know, you see most of these other guys are still around. I mean, yeah, Don doing Harvey, stuff. he's one of those guys that, just like Michael Rooker, he has a shady appearance about him. Don Harvey, it, it, many actors in this movie, once you see them, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I, you, you're very familiar with them. Don Harvey, he was he was one of the uh, bad guys in Die Hard 2. Um, he play, he was in the uh, Untouchables. Um, he, he, had a, he was a great supporting actor during some great movies during this period. Casualties of oh, War. Gosh. No. Um, later on, he was, he was in, he's, he's a, a prolific actor. He um, was in uh, Public Enemies, uh, the Johnny Depp movie. He was in Better Call Saul. I love that show on um, AMC. He is in the new Lethal Weapon series. Um, he, he's just, Dang. he's in, I mean, he's, he's been working solid since uh, about 1985. Uh, and one of those familiar faces. Once you see him, um, you, you understand what kind of character you're probably going to get. He's going to be a grizzled, either uh, a grizzled veteran or he's going to be a, you know, kind of a dick, which he is in, in this movie, uh, along with Michael Rooker. And most people are probably familiar with that name by now. He's, you know, been in a, 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 several of our movies uh, that we've reviewed. Uh, he was in The Replacement Killers. Um, he, he's clearly more recently been in um, The Walking Dead, um, as Daryl's brother, who is left, in the, he was in Tombstone. He's been a ton of stuff. He was in Tombstone stuff. as uh, McMaster's. Uh, I mean, he he has. I mean, he has been in um, a, a a lot uh, involved in a lot of series, a, a lot of TV stuff, but a lot of movies. And again, you 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 know, instantly recognizable. He has one of those faces that it's you know, again, he's either going to be a grizzled veteran or he's going to be a dick. One of the two. More recently, uh, probably people would recognize him from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'd say he's uh, a great Yondu. character. That's what it is, Yondu. Yes. <laughs> him and his arrow. I, I for, yes, uh, I forgot all about that. But anyway, he uh, he uh, he played Chick Gandel, who the principal guy that was orchestrating all of this and pulling the strings on the team. Um, guilty as charged. But. Um, but then we have on the other side of it, we've got uh, the, the, you know, oh, and Eddie, uh, uh, David Strayhorn, uh, who uh, plays Eddie Seacott, who is the pitcher. And, and of course, David has been in a, a multitude of movies, um, nominated for, uh, I think, an Oscar. Um, very stoic, very, uh, you know, just exudes a, a, a lot of confidence. Of course, he was in the two most recent Godzilla movies. Um, he was he was in Memphis Bell, played the commander, uh, and I first noticed him years ago in a TV series, which I was a really good TV series called Wise Guy, and he played oh, yeah. uh, several oh, yeah. episodes of that. Wise so, Guy's a good show. It was. That was a good show, um, but um, but he he is. I mean, you know, again, once you see him, you're like, oh yes. I mean, it's that you know he's he's that guy. And there are many people in this um, show that are uh, they're. Oh, that guy. 
Um, he was, you know, you know, there were movies that he was in that you know you, you saw and that you liked. Um, but um, but he was the um, it, it, it all hinged on him because if he could get enough ga- games um, at pitcher, then they could they could definitely start throwing this game. But then the guys, the the straight lace guys that are that are. The, the, they don't actually get much of the screen time because it's not really about them. Um, we, we focus on the, 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 the eight guys that are involved in the conspiracy and whether they're, again, 100% in or, you know, 10% because they know about it. Um, and, and, it, and it revolves around them. It revolves around the bookies. Um, it revolves around, more importantly, as Brian pointed out, the, the sports writers. And it's almost seen through their eyes. Would you say yes or no? They're yeah. almost the narrators. Yeah, and I, I liked the fact that Studs Turkle, who's actually was a big, you know, writer in Chicago papers back in the day, and he played one of the grizzled sports writers. And I just thought he was a natural at it. But yeah, it was interesting watching the watching that side of it. Well, you did have Ray Shawk, who was who was Gordon Clapp, who was the catcher. Yep, and, and he was the most demonstrative guy in kind of opposition to what they were trying to do, and because uh, I mean, he, he didn't he get in a fight at one point with all his own teammates. I mean, he was just so pissed off that people were making errors and and that that uh, guys weren't following the pitch, you know, what kind of pitches he wanted, and and he was interesting. By the way, he, he's a he's an actor that that uh, he was in a movie a few years ago called Taking Chance, which was a I think it was an HBO movie with. Kevin Bacon. If you get a chance to see that movie, you should see Taking Chance. It's a oh, really it's good, a good movie. movie. Oh, very that, good movie. That is that 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 is a movie I was not prepared for. I, oh, Jeff, let me let me tell you, I was at somebody's house and I'd stopped by to drop something off about five o'clock in the in the afternoon, and it came on, and he's sitting on his couch, and I just kind of like start watching it. Two hours later, I'm at his house, and I hate to say it, we're both sitting there, freaking tears running down our eyes. Uh, I mean, it's a that movie completely caught me off guard. I had no idea what I was getting into, and I just kind of said, "Oh, I'll watch it for a couple minutes." But yeah, yeah, Ke- that's a good movie. I really like that movie. One, one what of, were you going to say? One of Kevin Bacon's best performances. Totally agree. Um, you know that. Oh God, if there there was um, Michael Strobel, uh, who who that story is based off of, uh, he, um, he 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 wrote. Um, a short story about that, which the movie is based off of. And, um, and I read that before I saw the show and mm-hmm. I, I, there was a puddle around me. Um, the way that he expressed his emotions and his feelings going through that event. Um, it was, it was, it was overwhelming. Um, you know, and that might be actually, that might be a movie it's a good movie. Worth worth reviewing. Yeah, it's a good movie. Mind. What's that, Ken? I mean, Clatt played an airline pilot in that movie, is what he played. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, the uh, uh, Clapp, he, again, he, he's one of those guys. Now, he was in Deadwood. Uh, he, oh, was he? he played the I was doing that. He played the tailor in Deadwood. But but he's also, again, it's it, when you see him, you're like, oh, well, he's been in this and this and this and he's one of those guys he's just he's one of those great supporting actors that if mm-hmm. you can get him he's gonna sell it whatever he's um whatever he's in 
So, uh, but you're right. He and and he he's he really he goes through an emotional roller coaster in this movie because he does not understand what he's seen. Remember, this is one of the best baseball teams ever assembled at during this yeah. time. And, and and I mean, you know, looking back, that's you know probably the travesty of the whole thing is is you had this team that could have probably won it in five. And because they screwed around and and intentionally lost it, I mean, they, even when they were trying to lose it, they almost won the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, and and I think the movie does an outstanding job of showing us the chain of events and walking us through the, the because there's a lot of moving pieces in this movie uh, where you you cannot. I've seen this movie probably. I'm going to guess seven or eight times. And wow. And I, because I, I love this movie. It's, it's, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but the, the, I, I'm, the story is compelling. And the way that they have the different factions, I'm going to call them, um, in, involved in the way that the story intertwines them all together, it's very fast paced. It does a great job of laying out how everything, how the connections between all of them and how, you know, it's almost not necessarily a, a chess match, but it's, you know, you you know, there's there's somebody makes a move and then somebody counters and then somebody, you know, gets an idea that this is happening. And then there's, you know, you know, there's an investigation, there's double checking, there's, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's kind of backstabbing. And I mean, it's a very dramatic story that I think sales did a fantastic job of putting on the screen and showing how everybody was connected together. But there's so much to this movie that if you, I don't know, go and make a sandwich and come back, you're going to miss some key pieces of motivations of events that are going to lead people to do certain things. And because of that, I, I, it's a, to me, it's a very tight movie that is, that, is paced out very well to and and you know little little scenes here and there help you understand why certain people made certain decisions that that ultimately led to them being banned for life because they didn't possibly understand that that was even a that was even a possibility because this type of thing wasn't unheard of during this time because the players were so poorly paid which is probably why you have them being paid what they do these days because nobody can possibly top what they make in baseball to at least have that much of an impact or the, at least the necessary people that would be instrumental in making this happen um, to pay them enough to to throw a baseball game or to throw the World Series. What, what I found interesting is that the existence of gamblers and the influence of gambling on a sport was so pervasive that it was almost taken for granted yeah. uh that and yeah you know they talked about boxing you know throwing a fight was almost a commonality it's like yeah everybody throws fights you just got to make sure you're betting when the fight's not being thrown but it just you know the, the influence of gambling seems so pervasive i mean it's, it's like it's like the idea of pete rose betting on his own team back then i got to feel that would have been nothing you know Nobody would have like, well, hell, everybody bets. You know, what's the big deal? Um, I, it just did seem like the worst kept secret in the world to me. I mean, it's like 
everybody <laughs> kind of knew what was going on, it seemed like to me, in a way. At least, I, I mean, I'm still amazed that Ray Shaw couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. It's like, dude, everybody else on the team knows what's going on. How come you don't? So I, it was not exactly a well-run conspiracy as far as I'm concerned. Again, it just uh, hell. I mean, you know, the, your your the team manager figured it out. What after a game? Because then that when he went to uh, then he go to Comiskey like after the first game or the second second game, he figured it out by then. And you got to figure he's the last guy they want to let know that this is going on. <laughs> right, the team manager, right? But uh, but yeah, I just again, I I just got the impression that everybody. The problem was there there were too many people asked initially to take part in this. And that the word just got out. And it just didn't seem, it seemed like the world's worst kept secret to me, you know, what was happening there. Ken, what's your thought? Well, I, I mean, I, that goes back to my original comments. I mean, it is a quasi documentary and it does show the fact you've got all these different p- people. Some people knew, some people didn't. It wasn't really planned to go down the way it went. You had people that knew, but didn't do anything about it. Uh, I mean, it's, the whole thing is a sad affair. I mean, I think that's why it resonated over the years that, you know, this was a big deal. I mean, you know, baseball is America's pastime and everything, even more so in the old days than it is now. And the concept that somebody would throw it was just a shock and uh, something that the sports world vowed would never happen again. I mean, that's the stuff in this game goes a long way to explain why you know to this day pete rose is no. an outcast in baseball when i was a no. kid pete rose was the man like now it's like nope nope it's not he he, he he bet and he's out well you know and that's that's a good point ken i mean and that was when you understand how the guys from the black Sox in 1919 so now we're talking 100 years ago are still even there there is a cloud of suspicion on whether shoeless joe jackson knew took part understood what was happening um based on the fact that he had such outstanding stats during that time to say that he did or took part in it means that well then he could have had better stats than what he already did in the series no, he and Weaver both had outstanding stats yes. in that series. I mean, you know, I mean, like world beating, like nobody's ever played a series as well as those two guys played. But still, but, you know. know, but still, right. And you have if if they're going to keep Shoeless Joe Jackson and Buck Weaver out of it, um, out of out of any contention of being in the Hall of Fame or being basically not blacklisted, as long as those guys remain ineligible then there's no way pete rose ever has a chance in hell well let me say this i mean i I, you know kennesaw mountain judge kennesaw mountain who was born in millville ohio just across the indiana state line lived in logansport most of his life by the way uh kennesaw mountain was brought in to clean this up and he, he had been a judge and the problem with weaver and maybe not so much with jackson but the problem with Weaver, Weaver knew what was going on. He just refused to take part in it. And, you know, if you know that there's a conspiracy and you don't say anything about the conspiracy, if you don't punish Weaver, what what reason is there for anybody else to never report something like this? So you had to punish Weaver. I, so I, I actually don't disagree with the way this thing came down. Because, it, look, if you know what's going on around you, you don't say anything, then you're part of it. 
because you're letting it happen. You know, it's just, it's conspiracy. You know, I mean, can't you give us the actual legal definitions and so forth why it's wrong? But I just, I honestly, I'm sitting there going like, again, Jackson may not have even known what was well. Again, Jackson wasn't stupid. He was just ignorant. He didn't know how to write, but he but he wasn't a dumb. And the point is, is guys, if you know this shit's going on around, excuse my French, if you know what's going on, then you got an obligation to to report it. If you don't report it, then you're going to bear the brunt of it. And that's the only way to clean the game up because you got to make it so that that guys, this this has this cannot go on. And if you know about it, you're just as bad as if you took part in it. So I, I'm actually sympathetic to what Mount Kennesaw Mountain did. So there, my law and order. Bueller. Ken, hello. Oh, hi. Hey, Ken, Ken, what are your thoughts? I'm not going to get deep into the uh, politics or the you know, legalities of it. I mean, it's this this movie touches on uh, you know the theme of cheating in sports, honesty in sports. Uh, I mean, we've done we've seen many movies where it's in a sports setting and there's cheating going on. Uh, Think, didn't we review Slapshot? I think that's got a little bit of cheating going on. Um, I don't know. It's such a crazy movie. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, I mean, he, he, rules are rules. And uh, I, I know to this day, like I, I alluded to, I mean, yeah, you know, there's people today that are big, you know, Pete Rose fans. It's like, hey, you know, he's done his time or whatever. But on the other hand, it's like, hey, it's, you know, we got to keep the game clean. But if you're going to keep it clean, you got to keep it clean all the way. It can't go, you know, make excuses here and cut corners there. The movie does do a good job of bringing out the fact that sports then is the not what sports are now. It's a whole different world today than it was 100 years ago. I mean, the basic rules of the game may be the same, but everything surrounding it has changed there's so much more money involved it's such a bigger deal uh me, you know the media's totally changed uh but i did like the fact that everything was on a smaller scale because you could totally identify with these characters and what they were going through and i did feel really bad in the end for uh, uh buck weaver, weaver. And, yeah. uh, jackson's characters i you know but what one, one thing i will but, you know, it hit me when I'm watching this is the the portrayal of Shoeless Joe Jackson in this game is nothing like the portrayal of Shoeless Joe Jackson in uh, Field of Dreams, where that character also makes an appearance. Uh, I think Ray Liotta portrays him as a different kind of guy. So, But uh, from what I understand, the portrayal in this movie is more of what that guy really was like. I absolutely hated Ray Liotta. Oh, you did! I absolutely hated that. It was the worst part of that movie. I could, I, I would have. I wish we could just recast that. I'm not a huge Ray Liotta fan, but no, I, I don't, I don't feel that that was that I knew Shoeless Joe Jackson. Oh. I want to mention another actor if I, if I can. Sure. Clifton Jones, James, oh, who yeah. played Comiskey. You know, you guys have seen Clifton James before. Oh yeah. The sheriff and live and let die and man in the golden gun. Yeah. <laughs> you son bitch. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, he was born and raised in Washington State, died in Oregon. The guy is not a Southerner, but he's got this Southern thing going. Uh, but an interesting guy. Fought World War II. He was a sergeant, Silver Star, Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts. 
neat guy. He played he played in two other movies, by the way, that I actually think would be legitimate man cave movies. Will Penny, which is a, to me a great and often un- missed western, and uh, Silver Streak, which I you know I, maybe it's because it's got Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor in it. It's got the great Patrick McGowan in it too, by the way. Silver Streak was such a cheese ball movie. I thought it was fun, but. And uh, oh, by the way, I'll mention John Anderson real quick too. He played Kennesaw Mountain. Uh, if you've seen any western, TV western from 1958 to 1975, John Anderson was usually like the guy that was the president of the Cattlemen's Club that had this voice sounded like it came from God. And he's like, "We got to go out. And we got to freaking lynch those, burn out those squad, those cheating squatters on our land." You know, but he was always the guy that everybody would follow. But he always had a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> So he was never a likable guy. He should they he would have been a great like John Brown in a Civil War movie. Uh, to me, he would he would have been perfect for that kind of role. But you know, let's all go down this path. Yeah, but well, uh, yeah, he's he's certainly got charisma. Yeah, you know, well, a, a thing that just hit me. I'm sitting here like prowling around on the Wikipedia article about this, and we're talking about you know Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Something which I think is kind of irregular. I mean, we're going out like this guy is such a straight arrow. He doesn't he doesn't cotton to any kind of conflict of interest or anything. According to his bio, he was uh, a federal judge from 1905 to 1922, and he was the commissioner of baseball from 1920 till his death. So for two years, he was double dipping out of double the dipping. federal pool. <laughs> I mean, what what a what a man of integrity. <laughs> Well, you know, it was, it was a that. different time, Ken. It was a different time, right? It was a different time. It was different. Well, maybe he wasn't taking a salary. You know, maybe he was just being the judge. Oh, they called him he, judge. He's taking, he's taking a salary. <laughs> I did like that scene in the movie where they're recruiting him, and he he knows he he knows they need him, so he puts the old screws to him. He, yeah, I'll tell you what. He probably has about. What Ken would you say? Eight minutes of screen time, but if in, that, that, in that eight minutes, I mean, w- whether he's sitting in the courtroom during the trial, and you, just his expression on his face as you know, as they're going through evidence and witness testimony and things, and his stoic look, and after the verdict is read, you know, you you even if you don't know the story you know what's coming because mm-hmm. he and, and then the way that he portrays it i mean i mean talk about gravitas but anderson he, had that anderson was a he was a dominating guy in any any tv show he ever played in i mean he, i mean you know between him and uh, clifton james i mean both of them powerful actors but um uh john anderson just I mean, I, I would, I if I, I can't back this up, but I would just guess that Clifton James would just stand in awe of him. Just uh, uh, the, the presence that he had on the screen was amazing. Um, but ev- that, that's a testament to just how everybody has small moments in this movie, but totally kills it when they have that screen time. I don't feel that any any role in here is is half ass. Or doesn't you know anybody was definitely mailing it home? I feel like everybody put their heart and soul into this, and you know didn't overact, 
didn't, you know, didn't, you know, there was no cheese to it. They they played some just compelling characters, and it was great. Well, it's really kind of funny. I mean, James may have had as much movie chops as anybody in this movie because you think about where these guys were. I mean, yeah, Charlie Sheen had done Platoon a couple years ago, but you we've talked about how kind of a fluke the success of Platoon was. Nobody expected that. Uh, but a lot of these guys, I mean. Uh, Sweetie, uh, am I wrong? Did Sweetie do some kind of ice skating movie or something like that? That maybe in the early '80s, but it might even have been a made-for-TV um, no, movie. But a lot right. of these guys weren't movie actors. No, you're uh, right. At it, that time, he was a hockey player turned Olympic. I don't know. Uh, he was, you know, a skating partner for some. No, you're not wrong. It's kind of a girls' movie or it, it, ice castles, maybe. It's, That's it. I believe. It yes. I think Sweeney was in that. Um, not a man cave movie. I don't think. No, it not to was, me anyway. Um, we're also not going to spend probably. We're not going to spend any time looking it up. Not, not really. Um, but anyway, he's in Lonesome Dove. Yeah, he was in Lonesome Dove. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you missed that since Lonesome I Dove did is miss like that. your favorite TV show. I, I that was a clearly an error on my part. I mean, he, I mean, he's he's still working. I mean, he's still. Yeah, but I, I I actually thought. I mean, he did. He was in some TV series around the late '90s, uh, playing leads, and I just actually thought he was a guy that would. I I liked him. He was in. Uh, wasn't he the lead guy in the uh, the like the Rob the Airplane? Or I got it mixed up. I may have mixed up with the actual guy that did it, but I think I probably do. But uh, he he was in a lot of stuff, and he never quite broke through. And now you just don't see him very much. So. Yeah. Well, the last shows I saw him on was Jericho, which was a post-nuclear Holocaust TV series. Yeah, which, and that, that's been about seven or eight years ago, maybe longer. Uh, that was like ten years ago, but no, I was afraid. You know, Jer- Jericho had good potential, but it didn't I liked go anywhere. It. Yeah. it didn't go anywhere. All right, guys. Well, that is that is actors. Um, let's let's I talk. Talked to, I talked. I think we talked the actors to death. We may have. Yeah. but I think it's there's so many and and there's so. They're, they're such supporting actors because there's not too many. I would, I'm not even sure that there's a, I mean, besides the obvious, I'm not even sure Charlie Sheen has a command. He was minor. He, he was didn't really do much minor. in this movie. Um, you know, John Cusack was clearly the lead actor, but really everybody had, you know, just, you know, a fair amount of individual time. And because it's such a large cast, it was spread. I mean, you didn't see, they didn't dominate the screen a lot. Um <laughs> Which, which well, was, I, I, I wondered, was this movie made around the same time as Platoon and maybe didn't come out for a couple of I got to think, coming out of Platoon, everybody's going to want Sheen, and he's not going to play some role where he just doesn't do anything. Well, but I, mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe if Platoon had been as big a hit as it was that he had taken this role and basically fades into the background. All right, so you know, like, Platoon was in what, 84? It was two years, 86. 86 two years before. But I wondered maybe this movie was being produced and about the same time as Platoon was beginning to come out. And by that time, I she didn't that. know he was going to be a superstar. It, it's a four-year difference. I mean, she, I think she just wanted to do this show. Okay, well, maybe so. I mean, four years. It doesn't take four years to film and produce You're right. a movie. And oh, then she turned right around and did Major League just like a you know a few years later. So he, he I think. I like I like that movie, by the way. I do like that movie. She likes baseball. There is just that. Well, I mean, so you had Platoon. I mean, look, there's not a lot of time between 86 and 88. 
Um, it's only two years, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's two years, and, I mean, Platoon comes out, and, I mean, he, yeah, it, it ends up putting I mean, well, he, he's been – he was probably shooting this movie – as platoon is you know coming coming out, out. you got to look between 86 and 88 i mean you had um you know you had platoon you had wall street you had young oh, guns shit. and you had major eight men out in major league i mean charlie sheen was in you know oh and he, well, i mean he had a bit role in fairless bueller's day off but i mean five movies that i mean when you think of charlie sheen those were like his pivotal years as an as an actor Wall Street is a great, great movie, and I'd argue it should be a man cave movie. Frankly, it's a. I mean, I think it's an incredible movie. It probably is. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know I, I was new in a certain business at that time, and I think I made this mention in the past. I, people went out and saw that movie that week, and the next week they're all showing up with suspenders on <laughs> after seeing that movie. <laughs> I mean, the movie was that movie was very influential. <laughs> Uh, fashion. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. Uh, I, I will finish. say the movie has had a continuing uh, influence today because if you happen to watch the movie Ant Man, yeah, Marvel Marvel movie, in that movie, Michael Douglas plays like the scientist that does everything, but they basically use cgi to bring his wall street character i mean they take his wall street look and talk and interject it into scene you know to to do what was this character doing back like in the 80s and i'm just watching that go like that's that's pretty cool see like you know they recreated the wall street you know michael douglas in a movie where he's a character today I, like I, they did peter cushing in the most recent star wars movie I'll yeah know. yeah exactly but yeah i didn't i didn't realize that i mean i just saw ant-man recently ant-man's not a great movie but i mean i i kept it on and watched it and all but uh i do like that idea that like you know they wanted to show that like there's some conspiracy stuff going on back in the 80s that he was involved with so they just like you can tell they took his Wall Street character and just like CGI. Yeah, Gordon Gecko moved on. Gordon Gecko was a classic. He's an iconic American film character. Yes. Oh, he was based very much on a real guy at the time, and I can't remember who the hell it was, but there was actually a guy at the time who said greed is good, all that I mean, kind of stuff. Michael Milton or Ivan Boski. No. Yeah, movies. I think it might have been Boski. I think it might have been Boski, but. Well, you know. I'm, I'm, I, I, I can see the benefit of that. There's validity to that concept. Oh, it's we, a capitalist we all, concept. We are all, it's a, it's a we are all even, even Stalin and Lenin were doing what it, they thought was best. It's Adam Smith's invisible hand is what yeah. that that term, that quick quote is discussing. So yeah. well, I'm done with my free market economics and supply yeah, let's, side. Let's all move that stuff. on. Yeah. Let's yeah. please, for the love of God, move on. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, hey, let's uh, let's talk about um, I, one of the defining things about this movie, besides the actors, is the period that they capture. The uh, 1910s and early 1920s. I feel that they really capture the look, and more importantly, Ken, the would you agree the sound of this period? Yeah, yeah. They 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 threw in a lot of old good old ragtime and other period music. Again, like I said in my opening comments, the, I thought the look, the attire, the sets, 
I mean, from what I understand of the period, uh, that's accurate. Well, you were uh, just a kid back then, right? Uh, no, but I do have a picture of my grandfather <laughs> from 1918 hanging up right here in my room. And is that with the uniform? That, yeah, hey, that's his World War One picture. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's it. I mean, World War One just start. Prohibition was just about to kick off. You didn't quite have the Roaring Twenties and Al Capone and the you know, flappers and all that stuff that we think about from that period of time. But it was a, a time of transition. Again, this was this scandal put a big impact on again the sports world and just culture in general going into the twenties and thirties. Had a big impact. Visually, it was pretty neat. I mean, uh, it was well done. Music was good. Uh, what was the reference in the movie that like, we defeated the Hun? We're going to do this, you know. So obviously, fresh out of World War One, I. I love that because you know Churchill often referred to the Hun back in uh, World War World War Two. Well, the Hun is either at your throat or at your feet. At your feet. Uh, that's that's, that's what correct. Churchill said about the Hun. That's exactly right. The the lingo, clearly the costume. I mean, it kind of baffles me that this did not win an Academy Award for anything that had to do with photography or just costumes. Um, as and, and because I feel they got the period because, and there there was a lot there was a lot of moving pieces in here not just the actors but just the people in the stands you know the shots of people in the street I mean there was a lot of moving pieces here a lot of extras they had and and they had to come up with stuff for the, all of them to wear and it was you I really felt that this movie spared no expense in in making the the making it look the time period and when i say that you know it's real easy to cover that up by doing a lot of kind of you know small stage type stuff but they did not well they had big sets with lots of people and everything else it felt like a real world and i and i think that was important for this movie was to was to show this larger than life uh, the the world as it was you know it could have been very easy just to show them you know in you know kind of claustrophobic scenes but instead they open it up and and for the time period, I mean, it cost about $7 million to make this. And you figure with salaries and all that, that I mean, it's a pretty cheap endeavor. Um, and it unfortunately did not make, it didn't even, I don't even think it made it. And I think that um, um, this is one of those, if I saw this, I don't. I didn't go to the movie theater to see it. I probably saw it in HBO, like I saw a lot, a lot of things. And I was just blown away by the 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 visuals of this movie i mean this is it's a gorgeous movie to watch and i and i appreciate just the amount of attention to detail with with setting the scenes up and the locations that they use you know uh, besides bush stadium i mean some of the you know the train stations and some of the big halls that they used i mean it was just impressive to see the detail with which they went to shoot some of these scenes even if just for you know, whatever, 45 to seconds to two minutes of a scene, they captured it. Yeah, they did. It, 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 like I said at the very beginning, I mean, I thought this evoked the period very well. It did. I mean, it, there wasn't any scenes that took you out of the time. Sometimes, sometimes you have that in a movie where you're something, there's something going on and it's just doesn't fit. Yeah. Uh, but this one, yeah, everything fit. They, you know, they, they like fixed up the buildings. It looked like you could tell they went to like some old neighborhoods to film, but they cleaned up the buildings. They painted fresh paint on the signs. I mean, it looked all, it didn't look all run down or anything. So it looked like it was new. So yeah. with that, 
I think we'll go on to <laughs> brother. What you drinking? What you drinking? Oh, what you drinking? Ken, what are you? What uh, was I drinking? What are you drinking uh, I I wound up after work at my favorite establishment, the Brass Ring, which and I started is drink. Not is now just this week opening up as a strip club. Oh, it's not a strip, club. It's not oh, a strip right. club. And if it was a strip club, they would have thrown me out because I only had two single ones in my wallet, and that wouldn't have got me far. <laughs> uh, wouldn't have covered the but no, I went there, and I had some vanilla vodka and Diet Coke, and then I came home and made myself another. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. It has no relevance to the movie. I can't. I was trying to figure out a way. What what kind of drink can I get to tie into like 1919 baseball? It's like oh, maybe some weird beer reference, but it's like yeah, I'll just stick to my vanilla vodka and diet coke. Be true to myself. Well, thank you, Ken. Brian, man, I just said I'm seven weeks in with nary a drop of alcohol, so diet oh, coke wow. and 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 faux herbal chewing tobacco. So. Not really tobacco, so I am living the boring life. Are you feeling healthier? Not really. <laughs> no. Darn it. I want I wanted to hear like, yeah, I lost twenty pounds, I got a six pack. Yeah, no, I'm not really like I can I can tell you some other things that, that I'm not happy about. Seems like but you know, what the hell? I'm up I'm up using the bathroom like thirty times a night. That didn't happen when I was drinking. So I don't know. I think I should start drinking again. Well, just my opinion. Life is Me being the talent. physician that I am. But I'm healthy. Er. Do do what you must. Brian. Okay. Well Sheila's happy. She likes it. Well, she likes it when I'm miserable. That's that's <laughs> 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 God she never listens to this. You know, She's only I, happy I, when I it rains. I've made this comment before, but it's like hanging around with you guys and listening to your comments on your marital experiences is half the reason I'm still single. The other half is I just am lousy with women. But, well, you know, I, I'm not getting I'm not getting encouragement to like plunge in. I'm sure it's not half. I'm sure it's fifty-one forty-nine. I'm not sure which one it leans, leans toward, but. You need to you need to impress the listeners with your drink choice now. Well, all right. So I had been on a uh, a, a texting string with uh, our uh, old good friend uh, uh, Marcus Sloveris and um, Tony Gallardi. Uh, I think Steve was in it. Uh, we were talking about bourbon, and Mark threw out some bourbons that are his favorite. And I, we'd gone away this last weekend, and and I I went to a part of Ohio that um, doesn't really know hard alcohol very well. Um, I couldn't find it in several places I went. Um, they have an extensive beer selection I found at the Kroger and, and some of the, 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 the stores there. They have wine and beer, but they don't have much in the way of bourbon at some of these places. So anyway, Toledo area, is that where you were? Yeah, I was, um, in, Toledo. Um, I was in Toledo. Yes, Toledo. Toledo Mommy, to be exact. Um, not many places around there found one finally and it did have a nice bourbon selection but it was a little bit of a drive um anyway was this bourbon to drink while sitting around a campfire it was bourbon to drink while sitting around in um in the hotel fire pit um that's that's what we were we were doing but anyway um i didn't want to break the bank not that i really had an option because they didn't have any really really super good bourbons there and you know so I wanted to try something that was recommended 
uh, it's the 1792 bourbon, the small batch, 1792, and uh, you know retails for $30. And um, you know, as um, as one person who shall remain nameless um, said that um, you know it was a good sit around and sipping bourbon. Uh, so I went ahead, bought it, and when I tried it, it, it invoked a, uh, a reaction that caused me to um, suck in a lot of air and, uh, and and look for a palate cleanser. So um, it was uh, very has one of those very alcoholy um, taste to it, which. Um, oh was not good so we found oh, that we, would just suck that alcohol tastes like alcohol well go ahead. Yeah, you 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 mr <laughs> funny guy <laughs> some bourbons have a very um some bourbons have a more flavorful taste and some um just have a straight alcohol like it's a moonshine taste to it and this was one of those and it was but we found that if you take a certain amount of diet coke or coke and mix with it it's perfect to drink and so that's what uh that's what i did is uh drink uh, with with not diet coke because uh i don't need diet in my life yeah you're a specimen i'm in my prime but uh but anyway um it is it is good to um to drink i think if you uh if you mix it and water it down um and hide it in a drink put it put it some urine put it Maybe maybe mix some like Prudo really great, with Jeff. it. <laughs> It'll be just well, fine I, to drink. <laughs> I I mix lots of stuff with Diet Coke. I mean, uh, a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Well, the thing about if you mix alcohol with Coke or Diet Coke, you're hydrating and caffeinating yourself, and you can actually go longer and not quite be as wiped out the next day. Oh, that's important. Longer, that's for sure. Of my age, need well, to be aware of. Yes, yes. Somebody of your age, I'm, I'm a long way away from that. But anyway, so that is, uh, that is what I'm drinking tonight. All right. Well, and uh, with that, um, we, I, I do want to move on. We are, we're not going to do a, um, uh, a full-on checklist. But brace yourselves. I did. Find an obscure B5 connection here. Well, it's a big cast, and the time frame's right. I right. wouldn't be surprised if there was a B5 connection. There, there, there is a B5 connection in, in Babylon 5: The Gathering, and in this movie, there, <laughs> there, there was an assistant art director that was associated oh. with both. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself, man. I, I sorry, I. That's it. You're you know, making this I, up, right? I no, I'm not making it up. His name is his name is uh, Ted Ted Hay H A I G H. You know, I went into this and I said, you know what? There is going to be th- this cast is so large. There's got to be a B five connection. It is the right time period, and by yeah. God, yeah, there is not one actor that is in it is it is in the B five series at all. But I did find this art director that was associated with both of them. But, you know, this guy's also, um, he also worked on Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, The Road to Perdition, oh. and, um, and, and a lot of other. He's, apparently, he's a very talented man. So, um, uh, well, the Book well, of Eli. I'll tell you what's interesting is, is that uh, John Anderson, or Anderson uh, played in some Star Trek, and he played in a very famous original Twilight Zone episode back around 1960. Just 
no, no B5, obviously, but he had some science fiction chops, if you will. Anderson did. Now, time for Ken. Are you ready? Yes. The top 10 movies of 1988. 1988 was a good year for movies. Uh, it was back in my youthful days when I saw lots of movies. I had I went out. That's what I did. I went out and saw lots of movies. Uh, also, cable was big. I was new, and I watched a lot of cable in those days. So there's a bunch of movies on this list that not only did I see, but which also probably fall into the man cave-ish genre, some of which are man cave movies because we have reviewed them. So starting at... Excuse me, at number 10. Obviously, it's a movie which you all will recognize, like it, love it, hate it, whatever. Beetlejuice. I liked it. I, I went to the theaters. I think I saw it twice. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, that's back. Michael Keaton in the mid eight, mid to late 80s, early 90s was putting out a lot of really good work. Mm-hmm. I liked it. So um, it had, uh, what's her name in it? Uh, uh, shoot, I can't think Gina of her name. Davis. Uh, Gina Davis. Gina Davis and had, uh, what's his name? Another what's his name? Uh, yeah, oh, that, 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 who's who's the flip? Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin was in it. Winona Ryder was That's in when it. when he was likable. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, it was, it's a good, good cast. It's hardly Winona Ryder's been around that long, but she has. Well, I like Winona Ryder. I always thought. I Wouldn't Jeffrey? Like uh, what's his name in that movie too? Yeah, Jeffrey. One of my one of my, yeah, Jeffrey. One of my favorites. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, when he wouldn't troll in high schools. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. At number nine, a movie which I saw and actually got it, it. This was actually a very popular movie back then. Had that young unknown actor. You know, you, you might you might remember this guy, but the movie was Cocktail. Uh, no, once again, <laughs> I was there to see that in the theaters. The old Franklin Artcraft. I have yep. never seen that movie. But yeah. Brian Brown's in that, right? Brian Brown's with... in it. Again, it's Tom Cruise, Brian Brown, and yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, which I think we Elizabeth all have a Shue. soft spot for Elizabeth Shue. Oh, my God, yes. There's just not a, she's just not in enough. No, Vent, no. Adventures but... in Babysitting, didn't she do that? Oh, no, Adventures in Babysitting? babysitting? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say do a baby. Never saw that either. Review of that. Uh, um, no. Uh, but no, Cocktail, just again, no. Tom Cruise... Life, love. It actually is kind of a deep movie in some ways. Uh, and number eight, another movie which is deep, uh, thought-provoking, very serious. I thought it was pretty heavy. Uh, and that would be The Naked Gun. <laughs> From the files of Police Squad. Deep. deep. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a, Stevenson's amazing, though. He, he, you know, he's 40 years probably past doing... Forbidden Planet, which he had the lead in, and he does the Naked Gun, and his career is revived all of a sudden. You know, yeah. Well, that was the, the neat thing about this was, you know, again, Leslie Nielsen did Airplane, and you know, he was a very serious actor for most of his life. Did Airplane, which is a comedy role, spun that into doing the Police Squad TV series. Which got you know great reviews. I remember watching it when I was on TV. It was funny as hell, Frank but it was Drebbins. only on for like eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. it was a Zucker and Abraham's uh, production. But then they thought like, well, this this we think we think this could still work. So they made the Naked Gun, and then that turned into a franchise. They did what did. four Naked Gun movies. Sounds right. Uh, 
I do love. I think I've actually, I think I posted it on uh, our website here a year or two back from YouTube. The opening scene of the Naked Gun, which is you know Frank Drebin infiltrates the palace in Beirut where they have all the evil doers of the day meeting. Like that Muammar Gaddafi and Idi Amin and Yasser Arafat and Fidel Castro. And then he proceeds to just beat them all up. And I just like, that's a great scene. That makes me proud to be an American. Now, the irony is today that probably half those guys are considered heroes to half the country. But that was I kind of find amazing. But hey, well, there you go. Times have changed. That's that's that. At number seven, a movie which is a man cave movie. We reviewed it. It's probably, as we all know, one of the most heart-rending, emotional Christmas movies of modern cinema. Oh, God. Die Hard. <laughs> what was the, what was ranking on Die Hard number in terms of box office? What was the ranking? Well, which, it was number seven. Oh, wow. I thought it would have done number better than seven. that. Wow. I, the, the, the shame about it is when you look at the movies that did better than Die Hard, it's like, gee. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say that Die Hard, of all the movies that are above this, Die Hard probably holds up the best and still gets the most play today. But no, again, Die Hard was that classic. Bruce Willis in his first big role uh, facing off against the evil Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. You know, I don't know if evil is really the descriptor. I mean, I feel he was more misunderstood than anything. Okay, whatever. Okay, malevolent. <laughs> How's that? That's well, right, well, adjective. Maleficent. I don't know. It's all letters. All right. All right. At number six, uh, again, did better than Die Hard, but uh, what do you agree that it doesn't hold up as well? And that would be Crocodile Dundee 2. Well, I, I think Crocodile Dundee 2 was close to jumping the shark, honestly. Crocodile well, Dundee did. 1, you know, was legitimately novel and funny and it did have Linda Kozlowski, which I just kind of had a thing about her. But anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, Crocodile Dundee was just more, 2 was just more of the same. Yeah. It didn't need to be made. It doesn't really hold up. Uh no, the one, the one scene I did like about Crocodile Dundee 2 is, you know, they're in the Australian outback and they they see in the they're lost. And they see in the distance a fire and they go up to the fire and it's a bunch of Aborigines doing you know, Australian Aborigines doing, uh, you know, one of their ceremonial dances. And, of course, uh, Paul Hogan goes up and starts talking to them. And he's got that. Australian accent, you can hardly understand them. And all the Aborigines, you know, they speak the Queen's English like, you know, Lawrence <laughs> Olivier. I just thought that was a funny scene. And number five, we're talking about movies in the 80s. And in the 80s, if you had a top 10 list, somewhere on that list, you're going to have Arnold. Arnold was in his prime in the 80s. But this year, in 1988, his movie was Twins. With Danny DeVito, man, he's he'd already come. He was starting to run through his best movies then, because Twins was getting the point where, like, okay, Arnold's movies are not starting to be that good anymore. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's what crossed uh, that had him cross over. Was he almost had to expect it was it was bound to happen, right? He's got to, yes. you know, so he's not typecast. 
Now, now, having said that, I just <laughs> read an article today that there's talk in Hollywood of doing a reboot or remake of Twins. Oh, God. Don't, don't say it. Who? Who's in it? Who? Tell me. I got to know. Jason Momoa and Peter Dinklage. Oh, my God. That's that's almost to the point where... I'd watch it. I think I'd watch that movie. Well, Dinklage is a hell of an actor, but it's almost the point where is it in good taste sort of thing. No, no. Moving on to number four. A movie which I can remember going, taking a date to back in the day. And it was a, I thought it was a very good movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, it was one of the, it was the one, you know, it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's big. I like big. But, you know, it's Tom Hanks was trying to, this was late 80s was when Tom Hanks was switching from being the wacky comic actor to a serious actor. And this was a role that was sort of in the middle of that. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think the cast in that you had uh, I can't think who the female lead was, but she was neat. and you know, Elizabeth Perkins. Okay, yeah. and then um, Robert Loggia. Yeah. That was a big deal for him because Loggia was not usually the lead in a movie. I mean, shit, Loggia just 10 years before this was doing guest appearances in the Rockford Files as the mafia teamster thug and so you know Loja is doing a lead in this movie it's kind of amazing no, but, uh, no it was it wasn't a big cast but it was, it was a solid movie and I good movie put in, I'll put in a plug to listeners if you haven't seen Big see it good but movie. I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago of the movies here today if you ask people have you seen this movie a lot more people have seen Die Hard I think that have seen Big yeah totally agree at Number three, uh, again, this was the 80s, and somebody that was really doing well in the 80s was Eddie Murphy. And he did Coming to America, which is a very funny movie. Good movie. Had John Amos and uh, what's his name? Had the talk show. uh, Arsenio Arsenio Hall. Hall. Yeah. 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 No, it was was a solid movie. And, uh, you know, it's the whole idea of a prince out of water Finding love in the big city. It's. I saw it at the Irving Theater. I can remember going. I saw it with my mom. So, anyways, at number two, another movie I liked. In its day, this movie was... I thought it was very original. And I thought it was well done for what it was. And obviously, a lot of people liked it with me. And that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I didn't realize that movie that was that old. My God. And uh, what's his name? Bob Hop- Bob Hopkins, is that right? Bob Hoskins. Hoskins, who's since yeah, passed. Chris, and Christopher and... Lloyd was the evil guy in that thing. Who was the female lead? Oh, uh, I know who it was. Uh, Mar- she was married to, she was married to uh, Alec Baldwin for a while. Joanna Cassidy. Oh, it's not. No, you sure Cassidy was Kathleen the Kathleen uh, Turner? No, shit. Must have, I, I must have the movie confused. Well, Kathleen Turner played Jessica, the voice of Jessica okay. Rabbit. And, you know, Jessica Rabbit was a very charismatic character. She it's wasn't a good movie. bad. I liked she it. She was just drawn that way. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. That's a good. I can't believe it's that old. That's shocking. 
Well, that's what happens if you get old like us. I mean, it seems like, ah, oh, that's a few years ago. No, it's 1988, like 30 years ago. Well, I mean, Hoskins, that was kind of one of his big introductions to the American uh, American audience, because I think he'd done some kind of at least Mona Lisa Smiles or something like that, which was right. a British movie prior yeah, he'd to mainly, that. He'd mainly done British mob yeah. movies and things like that. Yep. But no, he, he came over and it was good. Uh, moving on to number one, the number one movie in that year, uh, which I mean, I, I saw I it, it I liked it, I, but I don't think it holds up. But it was obviously very big and influential in its day. Was Rain Man? My dad's in that movie. Your dad is what? in that movie? <laughs> yeah, yes. How is how is your dad in Rain Man? There is a scene they filmed in, in Metamore, Indiana, uh, by the Hearthstone restaurant. And Hearthstone used to have these little, like, they, they looked like, they looked like little storage barns behind the restaurant. And I think there's a scene where, like, they stay in one of those or something. And US 52, which is right along the canal in Matamore, they hired locals just to drive cars back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> My dad's one of the cars driving back and forth. <laughs> Because the movie starts in Cincinnati, as I recall. And yeah, they move into uh, our hometown. I've dark. never seen the whole movie. But yeah, my dad is in the movie. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. No, it actually, you know, the, it was, you know, not only was it number one, it got the best picture. Dustin Hoffman got the best actor. Interesting enough, in terms of Man Cave movies, the best supporting actor that year was Kevin Klein for his role in A Fish Called Wanda, oh, which we reviewed. I've never seen that. Fish Called Wanda is worth catching. Yeah, I've never seen it. But uh, I can also tell you, the go I got the Golden Raspberry Awards for that year pulled up. Just as a few things. The worst picture they gave was Cocktail. Worst actor was <laughs> Sylvester Stallone for Rambo 3. Worst actress was Liza Minnelli for Arthur 2, which sucked. She probably deserved now, it. Now, I'll ask you this. I liked Arthur, the original Arthur. Am I alone in that? You're, you're pretty much alone. Oh, I like the original Arthur. I did not like Arthur 2, though. I, I, it was not good. John Gilgood was in both of those movies, as I recall, right? I think you're right. Didn't he get nominated for Arthur 1, maybe? You may be right. I get I'm not going to waste my time looking. <laughs> Got that Dudley Christmas Moore just didn't do anything for me. Sorry. But anyways, getting just to wrap it up, that's the top 10 movies of 1988. All uh, right. Fun year for movies. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. All right. Well, all right. So, uh, well, let's, um, this last week here, we, I put out there a post because we hadn't done a movie in a while. Uh, just letting the listeners know something was coming, uh, down, uh, down the pike and, uh, well, we, uh, a little longer than I thought. Um, but, um, I put a little hint out there and I think my, my hint might've been not too good. I should have said it was, um, it was a scavenger hunt of sorts, but I had said that uh, this movie has an all-star cast, and one actor appeared in The Walking Dead. Uh, that was Michael Rooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, one appeared in another dead movie, and I was referring to uh, Better Off Dead, Brian, the movie with John Cusack, which I went to the movie theater and saw. Snuck now, he had a in. buddy in that movie who was funny. Oh, he was yeah. kind of a slovenly dude, but yeah. he was great, and I can't <laughs> think of the character was. But you know what I'm talking about? I do. He was Booger from the— uh, Booger? Yeah, who's still oh, out still, there acting? Oh, he's in Supernatural. He's in all these TV he series. Yeah, he's out there. He's active. But I thought it was another 
due to his, though, it was like a heavier due to his slovenly, but maybe I'm wrong. But I like that movie. I do remember it. I remember it. I'm not a big, not a big. Uh, Curtis Armstrong. I, I could be. That was his buddy in the movie. Okay, I see what I'm thinking then. You know, it's it's a I got to say it's it's a funny thing in a life, but you know, thousands of people go to Hollywood every year. Most of them have their dreams crushed and don't amount to anything. But I think most people would want to say like I I, I want to be remembered like Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind or you know, Shane or you know, they want to, they want they want their character to be known and their their character's name to persevere through the ages. And then there's Booger. <laughs> whose name does persevere. I, I actually saw him interviewed the other day on, uh, there is a show on Saturday nights called Zvenguli, which is like, oh, the, yes. one of the, you know, it's Zvenguli. Oh yeah. Son, Michael yeah. knows who it is too. And he had Booger on his show. Uh, I'm not sure how or why, but Booger was being interviewed by Svenguli, who is one of the last of the old classic horror hosts uh, out there. But yes, it, and he's 65 now, Jeff. Wow. Good Lord. Curtis Armstrong is. Makes you Man. Nice but he's made a career. He's a successful guy. Probably has a nice house, nice car, beautiful family. He's done a lot of work. He has done a lot. I'm of just work looking at and it. Still, a lot of work. Still working. Um, uh, okay, so my my my. My mistake was I put that one person, uh, one actor was in the Dead Man, and I I think I was wrong. I I don't know where I got that information, but apparently it was wrong. Um, one was in uh, Deadfall, and I believe that was uh, Don Harvey. No, I'm sorry, Don Harvey was in the Dead Man. My bad. Uh, coming up here, and um, it's a it's a movie short, so I guess I was not wrong. One person was in The Deadfall, and I believe that was D.B. Sweeney. And then the actor that was in the last two Godzilla movies was uh, David uh, Straithorn. And he was... Um, Straithorn. That one, too. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! In Jeff's defense, the, name, the, the spelling does not it's, match the it's, pronunciation. It's, I... I <laughs> Keep doing it. All right. <laughs> Just to piss all you night, off. All, all night. I feel like the spirit of Michael's lives within me. Um, but um, that was um, that was the bad hint that I gave this week. But it was impossible, impossible trivia. Uh, but also, we we've we've had quite a week with people um, posting on our website. We um, we have uh, a lot of people. I think we're trolling me on this uh, this post. Um, uh, Scott Waldeck and uh, Chad Henry both um, both uh, thought it was going to be Deep Blue Sea or Deep Blue Sea 2. Um, Jack Gardner, I'm not even going to acknowledge what you had put out there. But Cameron Freed was um, not um, not sure, um, was, was struggling to find it. He thought it was The Last Samurai, which... Don't even this? think that's a man uh, movie. <laughs> okay, enough said. Don't. Don't want to uh, hear that. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Ken, you, you, you solidly on Brian's side there? I will defer from this conversation. <laughs> of course you will. Why don't we ask Mark Slover what he thinks of that movie? <laughs> oh, my God. You can imagine what he would say. Oh, oh, I'd love getting back on here just so we could review that. But uh, <laughs> well, you uh, saw my little text to Michaels about our next movie is going to be Superman. Yes, right? he didn't bite, did he? <laughs> Um, there's also a guess of uh, some people thought it was uh, Troy 
Rick Allen thought it was going to be maybe Troy because they were fixed on Eric Bana and Brad Pitt. But but no, um, clearly tonight, eight men out. Gentlemen and ladies, I will do better with my hints in the future. I will not make them so impossible. Um, all right, also this week we... We, I, I have to mention this uh, this young man, um, Jimmy Anderson, um, has recently found our podcast, and and Jimmy, you know, I know that the three of us and Steve have uh, have have binge watched shows before, better better call Saul or Breaking Bad or you know some of the other great TV shows that are out there. But uh, this young man, he found our podcast by accident looking for, I can't remember which movie he was, uh, he was looking into, stumbled across our podcast and um, has been uh, binge listening to it for this last week. Um, has been um, very active um, and very engaging on, um, on, on our, uh, no, for, he was looking for a rollerball. And uh, found our podcast. And oh yeah, um, I'm glad that he likes it. And like I, I've commented anytime we have someone just listening to or commenting about a review, like it or not like it, uh, you know, makes me feel like this is worthwhile. Absolutely. Because I mean, basically, we we sort of kind of just do this for ourselves, but we hope that people enjoy it and take something away from it. And so it makes me very happy to know you're enjoying it. So please keep listening. There's plenty of them out there. You know, and, and um, what I really appreciate about Jimmy is, um, you know, he's he's taking the time to listen. And um, as he's listening, he's, you know, I mean, we, as we have always said, um, we, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, and so, you know, these are speak just, for yourself. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more speaking about you, but um, I wanted to put the <laughs> we in there. Um, and, um, you know, these are just, you know, these are just our thoughts. At no point have we ever thought that uh, anybody on this podcast was right. But uh, I, I do enjoy the way Jimmy's gone about, um, you know, giving us, you know, you know, his disagreement on some of our thoughts and, you know, questioning some of the, um, you know, some of our finer points. We we don't proclaim to be authoritative or right or anything. This is all just personal opinion. Yep. And, uh, and in a lot of cases, we're probably just flat out wrong. <laughs> I always err on the fact that we're probably always just wrong. Uh, yeah. But no, I appreciate Jimmy. Anderson. But we're just, yeah, you know, just sharing our thoughts. And yeah. again, the, the whole story of this thing, it basically all just evolved from dudes sitting around bars, drinking beer and talking about movies. I mean, it's not like it's deep, weighty stuff. No, no Applebee's and, and broad ripple. Yeah, Applebee's you know. and broad ripple and, and, and rock bottom, all, both of them now defunct. And I'd like to think that yeah. they clearly had a hand yeah. in uh, the touch in, of death in, that uh, we apparently, are. Yeah. It's keep us out of your home and restaurant and, you know, it's um, we we will we will we will shut it down. Shut the place down. But um, no, yeah, I mean, you know, it. This was born out of a uh, after a weekend of Napoleonics and Steve Michaels, um, you know, deep into about uh, ten different beers in a in about an hour. Um, you know, kind of getting in touch with his creative side and saying, you know, I think I want to do a podcast. And I said, you know, I you know, I could do that with you, and then. One other member of this current podcast said, and I quote, You know, you guys will do one episode and it'll be over. 
I'd like to think we took that as a challenge. And now... No, I think I said... Oh, I didn't name names, Ken. Sorry, go on. Defend yourself. And you've yet to do one. (laughs) Do one? Yeah, I I said... I didn't say one episode. I I said, you guys will just do one good episode and then it'll be over. And you've yet to do a good episode. So it's still (laughs) not... I I hold... I I was right. (laughs) I was was going to protect the guilty in this. and uh, But feel free, Ken, to defend yourself. Um... I'm uh, guilty. It's me. I, charged, I was convinced yes. that these guys wouldn't have the uh, stamina to. Kennesaw Mountain Landis would uh, would have you banned, um, but but Ken, I would not. I would not. No. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, so here we are, 245 podcasts later, and I'm sure that number is also off. But um, but you know, along the way, we have uh, we have picked up a, a a small but mighty listening group. Who, uh, Jimmy, welcome to the club. And, um, and, and, and feel free to, um, you know, continue to share your thoughts, especially about this podcast, which again, we, we know nothing about, but we'll give our opinion. So, um, but with that, um, I think that, uh, kind of closes out the, um, the, the listener comments and reviews from this last week. So speaking of reviews, let's, uh, let's, let's bring this home. Gentlemen, give me your closing thoughts on, uh, on this great and fantastic movie. Brian, how about you go first? All right, Brian, how about you go second? Oh, I'm sorry. I have this thing on here called, what do they call it, when you turn your volume off? You finally that use thing. it, right? Trying not to spit and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And God, appreciate it. Great cast, well done, well acted. i got to be honest, not, my, not a movie I, I go out and see under normal circumstances. Uh, I like, love sports movies don't really like movies showing the dark side of sports. So again, not really my cup of tea, but a well done movie. Uh, it's probably better than the rating I'm giving it, but I'm going to give it a seven because that's kind of where it's at with me. It, it, again, I think it's probably much better than that. But for me, just because of the subject matter, not, not my gig, you know, almost kind of like gangster movies, you know, to a point, not, mm-hmm. not that bad, but, uh, but I'll give it a seven. All right. I, I think it's a fair review. Ken, what say you? Well, we've talked quite a bit about this movie. Uh, this is a movie which I think in its day got some pretty good reviews and recognition, but I think it's pretty much vanished. Like I said, I mean, I I don't see it on I never saw it on cable. I mean, I never saw it. Uh, so it was released. It sort of vanished. It's out there. I think it's well done. I like, you know, I'm a history buff. I like history. And this is a historical event I've heard all about. Now I have a much better understanding of it. The cast is a very strong cast for the day. And I thought it sketched out the whole big events very well. Uh, I'm kind of with Brian that, like, I, you know, I'm not a massive fan. I'm not like, yay, raw about this, but it's solid. I did like it. Uh, I'm going to give it a six and a half. All right, all right. Well, um, I am going to I'm going to differ um, a little bit from both of you. Um, yeah, did 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 we give some crap movie a couple weeks ago a five? <laughs> we some some of you did, and I gave it a four. Okay. Um, but um, where was I? Oh yes, I digress. The um, you know I've I've always enjoyed this movie. Um, I I enjoyed the 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 plethora of actors in this movie. Um, and more importantly, I, I do feel like this 
transports me back to this time period. I feel like I am watching something from um, a long longer ago than it and it was filmed. Uh, and, and, and I really enjoy the setting. I enjoy the, the story. I enjoy the setup for it. I enjoy the multitude of actors who come in and, 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 and in a, I will use Ken's term, a doctor documentary style movie. Um, I feel like they just lay out the events in a very, um, methodical way. And it shows you how each event led to the next one. And uh, and I think in the end, after the two hours, I mean, I think they do a great job of covering the story, kind of a time capsule of what life was like back then. Now, you know, it's 100 years ago. You know, when it was filmed, it was, you know, basically 80 years ago. And it's a different, it's just totally different time period. Um, and and, and the, the, the sport itself has changed, and Brian had also alluded to you know you know there's so much money in it now in in, in major league sports um you know people playing you know a game can make millions multiple millions of dollars a year to go out and do something that they love Um, but these guys did it for the love of the game and you know it wasn't until they felt cheated that you know that, that that the that the game was second to money and and you know and from it you know we we have the ushering in of you know the 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 time period of baseball that we know with you know commissioner and salaries and um and, and it's um it, it's it's i i think it's a really good um time capsule of 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 what 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 it looked like, uh, what the sport looked like back then, and, and, and I think it does show us, especially at the very end, where, you know, you. There, I don't, I'm not going to ruin the end because I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but at the very end, the the message comes around that, you know, there 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 are people that love the sport, and and that for them, that's um, that, you know, it's tough to give up, and and they won't give it up, so. Um, with that, I am going to give this an eight and a half because I think it's that I, good. I respect that. I see where you're coming from. Um, but um, I, I, I get. I, I also understand your guys's ratings. I don't have any any issue with those. I think uh, knowing where Ken's rating scale is and, and and knowing that, you know, Brian is not a huge fan of of, of this this style of base or a sports movie. But um, I Yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm not looking at it with this what what what's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking with it as uh, I, I my biases have crept in to that when it comes to the you know that because it's just not my type of movie. Uh, and it probably has influenced the rating because it's it's well done. It's a well done movie. There's no question about it. All right. Well, um, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I appreciate you guys taking the time to watch this movie, even though it's not necessarily your cup of tea. But more importantly, giving me your thoughts on it and uh, and I think your fair reviews. So um, with that, I think we will um, we will wind this down. So uh, I want to thank the uh, listeners and audience again for um, for uh, their continued support and feedback and more importantly downloading um, of our podcast 
again, if you don't know where to find us, you can check us out at uh, mancavemoviereview.com or on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review. Uh, drop by. You can go through, and I think in every post that I put out there, you know, you can ask some comments or who is tapping for the love of all that is holy. I don't know. It wouldn't be me. <laughs> You, you, you have a penny handy there, do you? Uh, visible within easy reach of you there. I'm typing something on the, onto the Man Cave movie page, just so you know. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Brian. Uh, literally taking my comments and putting them to good use. Um, anyway, um, what the hell? Um, now I know how Steve feels. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Steve, I'm sorry for all those years. Um, let's see here. Uh, but uh, go on and you're still typing. Aren't you? Um, you know, give it, give us a response. Uh, you know, hum a few bars or whatever you will. With that, I will stop rambling here uh, and and say so long, farewell, and adieu to my good and dear friend, Shoeless Ken Roney. We're out. <laughs> yes, we are. I, I, that was so subtle. I didn't. That. I didn't get it at first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, saying farewell, adieu, and I'll be to Zane he is my good and dear friend Brian. It's <laughs> uh, something to do with being I, stupid, right? I, I, I keep getting. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> I may be dumb, fellas, but I'm not stupid. Cause, cause I'm I, stupid. Look, I, I can't top kids closer. Miller, I like you're out. <laughs> oh dear lord! Oh man, gotta go back to my typing. Thank you. Type, yeah. type, 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 type. Yeah, I can't wait to see what this is all about. All right. Well, thank you, guys. We will uh, hopefully get this up very soon. At least capitalize on the amount of money I've spent this month on uh, podcast uh, download gigabytes uh, before um, before June is over. So um, um, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you all again very soon. You'll hear us again very soon. I don't know. I'll no, we're going to show up at your house. No, somebody. No. Yeah. We don't know who it is. Or at least the hounds. Or random picks. God. All right, and until we meet again, ciao. Good Lord. (laughs) You got to keep that dog bark in the background. I'll be back. Damn your eyes. Too late. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Someday this war's going to end. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. There's the us, and what we were. And what will be. And what will be.
again? Is your mother okay? (laughs) Good. Those are the most important things in life. Okay. Is she okay? (laughs) I don't know where to start. (laughs) Well, anyway, Jeff, there you go. (laughs) I'm speechless. I got nothing to say. Oh wow! Uh, well, Don, Don. Okay, let's. Uh, so, uh, real quick. Uh, so the, I think you were. I, mean, I was out talking about. Uh... So he saw it through. He banned them from baseball. <clears throat> At least. Jeff, Jeff, if Jeff can edit this. I can't hear anything. <laughs> what happened? Did Jeff just pass out? That it string um, sentence? The, any, the um, air was too thin? I don't. It, it, it sounded like somebody was dumping all their change out in a giant 10-gallon bucket or something. Oh, from somebody in, like my end, maybe? Maybe. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> somebody's, somebody's in the kitchen with me. <laughs> I didn't so. notice. I don't pay attention oh, to those yeah, things. Clearly. Um, all right. Um, but um, anyway, so. What was it? So well, again, I got to point out, my woman never makes any sounds to interfere with my podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because of uh, uh, your choice or because of their choice? Well, the because irony is I did, absence. I didn't even pay. I didn't even know. I'm like, well, what, what's up, bro, Jeff? And I'm like. I didn't even notice it, uh, the noise, whatever know, the noise you, was. You, you can Jeff can edit this out. I, I must have been our ice more. maker, maybe. Oh, it clearly was. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Okay. okay so you have you have uh, 